Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the positive Friday edition of the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440. How are you? Something tells me this will be a spirited show today. The uh, text line at 833-401-1440 presented by uh, Jiffy Lube will be uh, humming along. Uh, the Gregor Show as always is presented by PlayAlberta.ca and baby the weekend is almost here and Friday means Lotto Max. This week's Lotto Max draw is worth an estimated $13 million. Get your tickets online today at PlayAlberta.ca. That would be a way to Lessen your frustration level. The Edmonton orders, they didn't play poorly last night, but they once again made just some major gaffes. Like, look at the old, the goals the Oilers scored and then compare it to Dallas's goals. And if you're hearing this and saying, hmm, where have I heard that before? It's because we've been talking about this for years. The Edmonton Oilers are the best team in the NHL at gifting goals to the opposition. Like, look at Sam Gagne's goals. First one, you know, just hammering it around the net. Right? Banging it around the net. You look at uh, his second goal. Now, they got a little bit lucky, right? He didn't get much on it. Fine. But was it easy? Was it a, was it a three-on-one from center ice? Was it a two-on-one from... The offensive blue line. No, it wasn't. And if you look at the game last night, now Cody Cece's played really well, but that's a pinch you can't make. There's got no one's covering him at that point. You can't pinch there. They go down, Matt Duchesne scores. One nothing. Now some would say, hey, Stuart Skinner needs to make a save. Whatever. It's a two on one from center ice. You know, it's great if your goalie makes a save, and I could argue, yes, every now and then your goalie needs to make a big save. Fair. But I don't hang that on the goalie. Then, uh, you know, they get a power play goal. Kind of un- kind of a lucky power play goal, similar to the Gagne one. So let's say Gagne's second goal, Stars' power play goal, they even out. Right? There you go. You look at the Stars' second goal. Philip Broberg's coming in. He's going to dump the puck in. He doesn't. He doesn't get remotely deep. They go to change, and now it's a three-on-one because they're caught changing. When you're the play, it's like being the last guy back at the blue line, and you try to deke someone out. Broberg knew his teammates were tired. They're trying to get off, and he can't get the puck deep. It's like a simple play. can't do it. Goes down the other end of the night. It's a three-on-one. Boom, goal. Now it's 3-1. The order's like, okay, we got to come out hard in the third. And uh, they get a chance. It comes back the other way. It's a three-on-three. Ekholm, Bouchard, McDavid. And Dallas doesn't even take it wide. Why? Because for reasons unexplained, Evan Bouchard on a three-on-three says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put myself out of position, and I'm just going to slide over to the boards. This is simple hockey. You tell your defenseman all the time, protect the middle of the ice. He finds himself almost on the boards for no reason. The puck wasn't even there. It's not like he got sucked into puck watching. He just floats over to the far right side of the boards, which allows Rupe Hintz to come right up the gut. Goes to the, And Bouchard, once he realizes, oh, geez, watch his reaction. There's no urgency. None. Just kind of ho-hum. Well, hopefully I can get back there. Didn't happen. Four to one game. And you know what? I give the orders credit. Sam Gagne scored two goals. The building was electric. Edmonton had chances. But you're down three goals. It's really hard to win. And they lose 4-3. And yeah, it's great. Oh, they had 49 shots. And there were stretches where they played well. Great. But it doesn't, like, you can play well. But you know what? 
if you make a glaring errors, that's worth like 10 minutes of good play, maybe more. It's actually worth more because it's a goal against. And the orders are now uh, two, six, and one. And I'm sorry, but until this team can show consistent signs that their give a bleep meter to the defensive end of the ice is high, they're not winning. They said all the right things and have come out and shown none of it. None of it. Hey, great. They can drop F-bombs in the post game. Oh, we're, you know how angry we are. We're going to drop an F-bomb. Yeah. But we're not actually going to do something about it. We're not actually going to go. You're not actually going to call one of your teammates out ever. Right? You're never actually going to demand higher level of accountability. No, no. But we'll just drop a few F-bombs in the post game because that shows how frustrated we are. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be good. It's a new cool thing now for that team. Give me a break. It is beyond ridiculous. Their lack of willingness to play sound defensive hockey. No one's asking them to be the New Jersey Devils of the 1990s. Even in, well, really in the history of the Devils, except maybe this year. No one's asking them to be that good of a defensive team. Just have a level of pride in your defensive game, for God's sakes. Like, are you kidding me? It's embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing from outside of the Calgary game. It's just like, oh, how many easy chances can we give up? I bet you I, bet you, I can. I, you know what? You thought that was a bad play? Wait till next game. I'll show you another one. All right? Like, give me a break. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear one more garbage answer or, or fake outrage from this team. I'm so tired of it. Yeah, we're very upset. Oh, yeah? How upset? Because I don't see any accountability. No one ever, ever misses a shift unless you're the seventh defenseman or the fourth line winger. No, no, God, we can't do that. Couldn't ruffle anybody's feathers. Jeez, we're the Edmonton Oilers. We're 2-6-1. and one. We went to the conference final two years ago. We went to the third round, second round last year. We don't need accountability. We'll just say it. And we'll keep talking all the right things. Actions speak louder than words. And that doesn't mean that the orders are playing terrible all game. No. They had lots of stretches where they were the better team on the ice. But they were rarely the smarter team on the ice. And they were rarely the consistently more committed team. Did Dallas, did you see Dallas giving up odd man rushes to the orders left and right last night? Like, look at even the order's first goal. A broken play kind of gets lucky as Nugent Hopkins slips into the zone, falls. The puck comes out and, uh, you know, gets to the cane after it looked like it might have been offside for Hyman bringing in. But luckily, Dallas brought it back into their own zone, so that negates the offside. Away you go. That's an unlucky play. That's not a bad play. It's not a lack of commitment play. Like, seriously, go through the games. Nobody is better in the NHL than the Edmonton Oilers at gifting goals. And you know what? We talked about this last year. And, and then they fixed it for a while. And then you got to the playoffs, and guess what? Same problem. So pardon me if I don't buy. And you, now, if you, some people want to blame the coach. Sure, you can blame the coach. Now, he's part of the team, right? He's part of the team. So he's accountable to something, no question. But no coach in his right mind is saying, hey, guys, on a three-on-three, why don't you just float out of position to the far side of the ice? That's that's what we want. We're just going to open up the middle of the ice. That's never taught, ever. Right Now, you want your defense to pinch in sometimes, but the defenseman, and Cody Cece's actually played really well. But horrible game for him. Just like it was a horrible game offensively for Leon Drysaddle. Drysaddle actually played pretty well in the first eight games. I had no issue with his game. But... His one-timer is off. His frustration level's high. 
How many passes did he try to make that were intercepted by Dallas last night? Six or eight in the offensive zone? Guess what? Stop being pretty. It's not working. For whatever reason, your passing's a little bit off. So, simplify your game. That's what good players do. They don't just keep being stubborn and stubborn. And hey, Sam Gagne, you know what? He's the one guy giving us juice. So what does the head coach do? In the final two minutes, coming out of a timeout, he goes with the six guys that are on his power play and says, oh, Gagne was the next guy over the boards. Oh, isn't that nice? He was the next guy over the boards. Why the hell wasn't he one of the six over the boards? Coach each game differently. I get that you got to run loyalty to your best players. I'm not saying, but could Gagne have been out there instead of Zach Hyman? For one time? I don't think Zach Hyman's skin is that thin that he's suddenly going to be like, wow, this is unacceptable. No. Of course I'm putting Drysdale McDavid on the ice because they're top five scorers for the last five years. Top two scores, excuse me. But give me a break on never, ever changing something or maybe rewarding a guy for actually being the one who instilled some emotion, not only to your team, but into a building. Like, I'm not saying that Ganya would have scored, but come on. How's he not on the ice? Don't give me the go. Well, you know what? Uh, he was the next guy over the boards. What's that even mean? Next guy over the boards. How often, like, the only time he's the next guy over the boards is if they dump it out, it's probably because they're shooting for the empty net. And either they're going to score or it's going to be icing. How often do you see them change in the offensive zone? So, it's uh, there's a lot of things wrong with the Edmonton orders. And, and I get that the order of players, they can't get down and be negative. But my God, you can at least ask for some accountability inside your room without being negative. And then actually have enough guys willing to show it. Right? Like, I'm sorry. If somebody isn't reading Evan Bouchard, the ride act, inside that room after that play, I don't know what's going on. Now, maybe they did. And they keep it quiet, that's fine. But that if you lose a battle every now and then, that's going to happen all the time. There is no battle lost. It was the parting of the wide open middle of the ice. It's a gift goal. And it was awful. Awful for the orders. So now, here they are, they're 2-6-1. So, as you guys all know, and gals, uh, I like to do a lot of research, look up stuff. So I spent time looking at how many teams in NHL history have started a season with five or fewer points in their first nine games and then rebounded to make the playoffs. Now, this is the whole history of the NHL. Any guess, Connor? <laughs> That's a tough one. I, I don't even know where I would guess. I'm like really, 95 years. Really intrigued. Uh, let's say, because I like the number 20, 21 times. Uh, 52. 52, okay. Okay, so 52 teams have done it. Now, 13 of those occurred in the original six era. So we eliminate them because it's not really comparison. Then uh, four more happened uh, when it was a 12 to 17 team league from 68 to 79. I'm not including them. Uh, from 1990 to 1991 it was a 21 team league. It happened a lot, 20, uh, 16 times, right? So there's 33 times gone, right? If you look at it, since the, uh, the league in the era of the salary cap, and the overtime slash shootout loss, it has happened four times. Where a team has made the playoffs, starting out with only five or fewer points in their first nine games. One, the Washington Capitals, and they actually did it in the lockout shortened season of 2013. They started 2-6-1. and one, we're outscored 33-21. And then they went 25-12-2 in their final 39 games. They finished fourth in the Eastern Conference. And you got to remember, they had much fewer, like, the Orders have 73 games left. They only had 39, and they made it. So that's pretty impressive. The uh, 2014 Flyers, 
did it. Uh, they were actually two and seven, so only had four points, and they went 40, 23, and 10. The 2015-16 Anaheim Ducks started out 1-6-2 and two after going to the conference final the year before, losing in Game 7 to Chicago. Like, they were a good team. They actually had 109 points in 2015, then started out of the gate 1-6-2, and two, four points. They had nine goals in their first nine games that year. They were like the San Jose Sharks of this year offensively. But... They woke up, then they went 45-19-9, outscored teams by 48 goals, and finished fourth in the West with 103 points. And the most recent one was the uh, Dallas Stars in 2019-20, also a shortened season. They were 1-7-1, had three points in their first nine games. Didn't look very good. Then they caught fire, went 36-17-7. They had uh, the fifth in points, fourth in points percentage. Remember that one, Oilers fans, when Gary just decided to come up with another fake rule at the time? And uh, so Dallas got the uh, bye in that opening round, and Edmonton played and lost to Chicago. So the Stars actually went to the Stanley Cup final that year. So those are your four teams. In all of NHL history, the Oilers are only the ninth team ever to have 100 points and then start the next season as bad as they have. The 81 Bruins and Canadians both did it. They both made the playoffs. The 96-97 Penguins did it, made the playoffs. 2002-2000 Toronto Maple Leafs did it, they made the playoffs. Then the 07 Flyers didn't make the playoffs. The 2011 Devils didn't make the playoffs. The Ducks made it. The Canadians didn't make it. So... Histories five out of three out of a 100-point teams. And I think that was important because you're a good team. You don't just lose all your players. You're still a decent team. So can the orders be the sixth out of nine? And the last one I looked at, because I knew everybody would look and say, okay, Gregor, we know that there's four teams who did it. Well, how many haven't done it? Good question. Took a little bit more research. So... In since 20 or 2005, 2006, if you look at it, 24 teams who started as bad as the orders or worse ended up being bottom five teams in the league. I don't think the orders are a bottom five team. I'm not going to compare them to them. You're talking Anaheim last year, Montreal, Arizona, Chicago, the year before Ottawa, back to back years, you know, like. The Edmonton Oilers actually in 2013-14 were one of those teams. Then you had four teams who were bottom 10. They finished 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Now, do you think the Oilers are a bottom 10 team? Maybe. They're definitely not a bottom 5 team. And I'm not sure with that talent that they should be a bottom 10 team. So that leaves either the 2014 Devils who had finished with 88 points after a terrible start and uh, and missed the playoffs, or the four teams who made it. Right? That's, that's it. So it's either you make the playoffs or you're a terrible team, and then there was the one outlier of the New Jersey Devils who were closely competitive and missed the playoffs. So you ask yourself, where do you view the orders? Are they a lottery team? Bottom five? I don't think anybody thinks that. Are they a playoff team or are they a bottom 10 team? Let us know. 833-401-1440. We're going to have some uh, text lines, some open line time coming up next on The Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Just after 225 on a positive Friday on Sports 1440. Yeah, I'm positively fired up. I'll tell you that. Positive that the uh, orders better wake up and uh, have some commitment to playing smart. It's not even a lack of effort. It's playing smart. Know your position. Understand where your teammates are on the ice. Make the small plays. The small plays are the ones that add up. And stop gifting goals. It's the same problem. And and I don't you know what? It's easy to want to just blame the coach, blame the coach, blame the coach. I'm not excusing the coach, but this is an issue that has gone on before this coach was here. Now, if you want to see he hasn't been able to get it out of their game, okay, sure. 
Why? I have no idea. But the level of accountability within that dressing room needs to improve if this team wants to get back in the mix. They're skilled enough to get back in there. I don't question that. Do they have the will to want to do it? Do they have the commitment internally to say, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm not gifting easy goals to the opposition. Also, we're going to bear down when we get chances. It's part of scoring, man. It's not just luck. It's not just luck at all. So, lots of text to get to. 833-401-1440 in our Jiffy Lube uh, inbox. Hey, Gregor, uh, last night the Habs played Arizona. According to NHL attendance, was 4,600. The rink holds 5,000. Why would anyone build a bigger rink there? Can't find a ticket in Canada when the Habs are in town. Thoughts from Neil in the hat. Well, probably price, right? There's no ticket that's less than 200 bucks in that building because they have so few seats. And I think there's a lot of fans who are like, man, I'm not, I'm not that much of a fan that I want to pay that much money. But look at Edmonton last night. Did you see the second deck? There were some, uh, there were some empty seats there as well. So, hey guys, how many of those teams changed a coaching staff to finish how they did from Rob? Well, Rob, I can tell you none of the teams that made the playoffs did. Now, the teams that uh, I didn't look at, um, some of the bottom five teams, I could probably go through the list off the top of my head and like uh, look at Anaheim last year, right? They didn't change their coach. Um, Montreal last year, right? Because last year was the first full season of St. Louis. Uh, Arizona didn't change their coach. Uh, Ottawa back-to-back years, DJ Smith didn't change their coach. Um, LA in 2018-19, I think they might have relieved their coach during the season. I'd have to look. But none of the teams who made the playoffs. And if you're a bottom five team, I don't think it matters. The coach isn't going to make a bottom five team suddenly that much better. That just doesn't happen. You need a better player. When you're a bottom five team, there's a reason you're a bottom five team. It's because you're not very good. Right? Not at all. So. Hey, guys, uh, it's ridiculous. The record versus uh, capability is real. But, man, you pretty much have the same team that played Vegas. Now they're a lottery team. Even the Oracle of Delphi couldn't have predicted this. (laughs) I like that line uh, from Spruce Grove, Rick, uh, brother of LeDuc Dan. Oh, man. Well, I, I agree with you. No one thought the orders would be this bad because they shouldn't be. Right now, this is a choice that the players are making on a game-to-game basis to not be committed to giving up easy goals, to not be committed to playing even sound defensively. They're not committing to it. It's not like they lack the talent because playing sound defense isn't even about talent. It's about a will and a desire and the smarts to do it. That's what it's about. Scoring goals, finishing regularity, you need some talent. Right? That's a fact. Like, Warren Fogle's a hell of a player. Look at last night. Great play to get the breakaway can finish. Now, unlucky, sure, he hit the outside of the post. But that's Warren Fogle. Like, Warren Fogle is a, a 13 to 15 goal scorer. He's not a 25 to 30 goal scorer. He gets a lot of the chances, but it's hard to finish. Scoring goals is the hardest thing to do. Daughters have offensive talent, but they don't have a willingness or a desire to consistently play defense. They've shown it in spurts. But, man, it is hard to do it all the time. And then the other thing is, get outside the comfort zone. I was watching the Boston Bruins-Toronto game before the orders last night. Did you see David Pasternak? David freaking Pasternak. He was running Toronto's show in the first period. He's out there hitting everybody. He's being physical. Now, does anybody, when I think of David Pasternak, think of a physical player? No, you think of an elite goal scorer, right? But he's been in Boston. They've got a culture in that room that I don't care what your name is. We're going to play hard. And it's infectious. And the owners don't have that. They don't. They don't hold each other accountable enough because it consistently keeps happening. That's a fact. Now, they can sit here if they're listening and say, well, that's not true. We hold each other accountable. 
But do you? Because where is the accountability that equals the results? Right? That's all I ask. Where is it? So, Oilers have enough talent to be much better than the record. I don't think there's anybody who disagrees with that. But do they have the will and the desire to eliminate the easy goals? So, so Now, that doesn't mean you eliminate them completely. Reduce should be the better word by me. Reduce it. Maybe there's one every four or five games. It's going to happen. It can't be one every game, excluding Calgary. Or when Jack Campbell stood on his head and made 42 saves. But look at all the other games. Look at where you would have a blown coverage that has nothing to do with talent. It's not like the orders have a bunch of defensemen who are very immobile and everybody just turnstiles them and skates around them. They don't have that. So, to me, you got to wake up. Hey, Gregor, who knew that Nick Bukestad's absence would be felt so much? <laughs> Tube sock. <laughs> yeah, if only you could say it was one player. Because I'll say this. Nick Bukestad was here. He couldn't stop the other players from making the errors that they're making. And the thing is, they showed you they can do it. Look against Calgary. Calgary had zero high-danger scoring chances in the first 40 minutes, five on five. Zero. They had zero scoring chances off the cycle. They had zero shots from the slot. Now, that's obviously an extreme really good game. Even the Winnipeg game. Now, Stuart Skinner, unfortunately, he made the error. Led to the tying goal. The Jets only had six high danger chances the entire game. That's a really good number. The Oilers have played nine games. There's been games where they've allowed 17, 16, 14, 12, 15. Only three games in single digits. You can't be that Jekyll and Hyde all the time. You know what? And I guess, hey, shame on me. On I thought after the way they played in Calgary, it's like, oh, there. They showed they woke up. Here we go. And I got sucked in to believing all of the stuff that said afterwards. Yeah, we're ready now. That's what we're capable of playing like. And then they came out in the very next game when they had three days of practice. And that was the performance they decided to show. Hey, let's gift three easy goals last night. The power play goal was was a lucky bounce. Not a gift. That's a lucky bounce. Just kind of like the Gagne was, right? That's going to happen in the game of hockey. There's lots of luck. It is unreal how incapable they seem of just deciding to say, you know what, I'm going to owe it to my teammates because every team that wins talks about how the commitment comes from the players. Yeah, sure, the coach might devise a nice system. That's great. But at the end of it, it comes down to the players. Willingness to want to do it. Hey, Gregor, I'm sick of people talking about McDavid being hurt. Well, the Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup. They had major injuries all year from Ontario Moms. Bang on, my man. Bang on. Again, Connor McDavid being a little banged up has zero to do with Evan Bouchard. It has zero to do with Cody Ceci's pinch, and it has zero to do... With Philip Broberg. And that's just last night. Those aren't the only players. Right? Connor McDavid himself was responsible for one. Right? In Philly. So his lack of offense by his standards has zero to do with their willingness. If anything, if he is banged up, which people are guessing. I can't say he's banged up. I don't know. Oh, I would. I wonder maybe if he's got a hand injury or something. Not taking a lot of face-offs. Right, sir. 
passing's a little off. Okay, sure. But that has nothing to do with the order's inability to play sound, consistent, committed defense. It's two completely different conversations. If you want to say, hey, the order's offense is lacking a bit because McDavid doesn't look 100%, totally valid. Sure, I could have a conversation about that. But that isn't an excuse to be clueless or lacking in commitment defensively. It's not remotely connected. If anything, if they, because trust me, the teammates will know if a guy's banged up. That should make them say, geez, we've got to be even more committed defensively. They're not. Hey, Gregor, the orders are notorious for slow starts. It's been happening every year since McDavid was drafted. The only season they started good was 16-17. They're 8-4 and four at some point. The other years, they're losing record. Doesn't make sense when you have new coach GM players from AZ. AZ, that is actually false. The orders have started 5-0 and oh in two of the last four in five years. Okay. They were 16-5 and five a few years ago. The owners have actually only been under 500 in their first 10 games once outside of this year in the last six seasons. Right? That's, so that's false. This slow start, remember, the Oilers started last year, they were 7-3 and three out of the gate. And then they went three and seven in their next ten to be t- to be ten and ten. They haven't historically started slow under McDavid. That's actually false. So, hey Gregor, what are the reasons the orders are clueless defensively? Can you give one or two reasons why they're clueless? It's a commitment. It's that simple. Look at how they played down the stretch last year. And I'm sorry, I know everybody's like, well, now they got Matthias Ekholm. It solves all the problems. No, no. Now, he might have been an example for other players to say, okay, sure, we want to do it. But then you also have to look at who they played down the stretch. They had a little bit of an easier schedule. So maybe that was part of it. Because they've had games, they've had stretches. The Oilers were the sixth best team in their final 30 games and goals against. Chances for. They're actually like top five in high danger chances against. So they've shown if they consistently want to commit to it, they can do it. But they won't. And I don't have the answer. You could ask them and they'll get, well, if I knew the answer to that, uh, we'd do it. Well, no, because it's simple. It's more about a commitment than a skill. Okay? It's not a skill to match the work ethic of your opposition on a night-to-night basis. Right? It's a commitment. It's not a skill to make the simple play two feet from your blue line always. Just, you know what? I shouldn't say that. It is a skill to be consistent. That is a skill. I apologize. I'll take that back. I think it's a skill to be committed. And the orders have shown that they can't do Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Do it for whatever reason. And like I look last night, and the frustration in Leon Drysaddle. There are nights when guess what? Your passing's not going to be on, even for the greatest passer in the game. And at that point, you have to simplify your game. So one thing that Sidney Crosby did exceptionally well. If there was a night where he wasn't feeling it with the little fancy passes, then guess what Crosby did? He'd cycle the puck. 
and he would find a way to beat you differently. And the orders last night, their top line anyway, because it was really the Nugent Hopkins Kane line. And then when Ganya got put on there, because even before that, Nugent Hopkins and Kane scored the goal. Go look at their shot totals. They were fine. It was the other line and their, their stubbornness to want to say, okay, you know what? We got a little bit more in straight lines tonight. We're not going to st- try the backhand sauce pass. We're not going to try to thread one through the skates. It's not there today. So we're going to go to something different. And they don't do it. And then you've got Evan Bouchard defensively, who for whatever reason decides he's just going to float. He's just going to float right out of the play. I, I watched that goal again and I was like, what? There is, it's a three on three. There was nothing dangerous about that rush. Just stay in your lane at the dots. You never want to get outside there. There's no reason to. None. There, was, there wasn't even pressure on his side. So, I don't know what you do there, man. But it is. And, and it, you know, it's Nashville. And here's the thing. They could spank Nashville tomorrow because that's what they do. I'm so That proves nothing to me. When I come here on Monday, the orders, if they win 7-1, I'll say, great. Yippee. Now let's see what you do against a Vancouver team that's playing with some confidence. They beat you twice this year. And you've gifted them a lot of goals in those games. Can you be better? We'll see. And then even if they do it then, because like, then they got San Jose after that, like, my goodness, the, the Sharks are awful. The Sharks are going to push for the NHL uh, record, I think, for infutility offensively and overall points. They're that bad. And I don't care if you, you know, if you beat them, if they don't beat them six to one, does it look bad? Maybe. There might be a night where the Sharks decide to score two goals. It's happened once. But until I see three weeks or a month where the Edmonton owners significantly reduce their glaring errors, I'm not buying it. I'm not getting fooled again. Because I thought the Calgary game was like they're slapping the face, wake up. It was more of a slap in my face that I need to wake up because I was wrong. Take a quick break and return on sports. 1440, got a lot of text flying in. 833-401-1440 live on Orders Nation YouTube as well. Pause of Friday continues on. I know, probably doesn't seem that way today. But there's still lots of good things to discuss. Uh, Cam Tate will join us right away. We are going to talk to a defense guy. And trust me, we'll talk about defense and just a commitment and a will to do it. Because it is hard. We'll talk to a guy who kind of made a career of it. It's coming up. But first, we're going to get to uh, Cam Tate. Uh, the uh, the two-minute warning, which uh, today is brought to you by Next Gen Transportation. Debbie Hall Transport Provider, 100% uh, locally owned and operated Next Gen Transportation. Dot com, uh, Cam Tate, of course, uh, has cerebral palsy. He's in a wheelchair. And uh, struggles at times uh, speaking clearly. And so uh, he's always wanted to be on radio. He's been a beat reporter in Edmonton for a long time. And uh, through the wonders of technology, now we get to hear from Tater every Monday and Friday. A letter to Sam Ganuya, November 3rd. Two-minute warning with what's-his-name, Cam Tate. Fast Eddie here, reading Tater's words. Dear Sam, what? Only two goals? How about that February 12th game back in 2012? Gee, I had hair back then. (sighs) When you, Sam, had eight points. Remember that? Pittsburgh was here. Eight points. And they made you doozer at least. So first, second EM, third star. Great night. And then last night in your homecoming. Sorry, missed the parade. You score. Two. A pair. A deuce. In the third period, Dallas. That all you got, the Sammy boy? Seriously, Sam, your third period production was exactly what the gang who are mightily trying to find their way in this infant season with a baby, frankly, howling their head off. Your return to the Oilies gave them hope, trailing 4-1 in the third period. It looked like the Oilers were risking being booed off the ice and the usual joyous tea-dirt toss becoming the opening act today. Take your hearing aid out there, Grandpa. Jersey on the V-Ice toss. You changed that. And they need someone with your experience on the offensive zone. Someone to be the spark plug of this outfit. Someone with experience. On the E-Home from the rink, it was interesting to see tweets. 
No, Chief McPhee, I wasn't driving, just texting, saying after only one game you are the Oilers' top goal scorer. One game in 60 minutes, half a Brian Hall lecture. Now, Sam, you realize that with this offensive outburts comes the ER word. Responsibility, you've set a standard. Now the key is to maintain it. Saturday afternoon, one o'clock, when the Nashville Predators are in town. Of you could increase your productive. Please don't think you'll have the weight of the season, the franchise, the fan base, and the rest of this minor things. A hat trickle. Perhaps Mondays and Fridays, the two-minute warning. The Jason Greger Show, Sports 1440. Well, Sam Gagne, you know what? Uh, he brought some energy, brought some emotion. Where do he score his goals from? Right around the crease. Right, you got a lot of guys with donuts on this team. You don't see them banging home uh, very many goals in the crease area. Well, at least not often enough. And you got to, if you want to score consistently in the NHL, Excluding like the 2% of elite goal scorers, guys who can score from distance, Dreisaitl, Matthews, Ovechkin, etc. Most goals come in tight. Banging home rebounds, stopping around the net, having the will to beat a guy to a loose puck. That's what Gagne did last night. And hey, got a little lucky on the second goal for sure. It's not like that was a Picasso of a goal. But went to the net, got rewarded. Happens all the time. But, again, that's another part of the commitment we talk about. The Edmonton orders often don't create enough traffic in front. It's a commitment to go there all the time. Ryan Smith wasn't more talented than a lot of players. He was infinitely more committed to be willing to pay the price and go and stand in front of the net and take a beating. Now, he worked really hard at becoming a good tipper, so that was a skill. But a lot of his other goals, man, was just sheer guts and determination. So you guys who want to do it. Now let's get to the uh, football report brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home of the no payments, no interest for one full year. Get your furnace today at LegacyHeating.ca. Uh, our next guest, a gentleman knows a thing or two about winning and just the will on defense. A lot of times it comes down to just the will, you know what, uh, get in the lane. You know what they're going to do? Stop your guy. Uh, A.J. Gass, defensive coordinator for the Alberta Golden Bears football team, joins us. Of course, uh, they host the uh, Saskatchewan Huskies tomorrow. Uh, the orders play at 1 o'clock. Uh, the Bears game starts at 5. So, uh, hey, you want to double dip? You can do both tomorrow. A.J., welcome back to the show, my man. How you doing? I'm doing awesome. How you doing? Good. I'm curious, as a coach and on the defensive side, there's you know obviously you need talent, but there's a lot of will involved at times. How do you feel you can help coach a willingness and a desire into your players? Well, um, you know what that that's that's a really hard thing to do. You know, it's one of those things where most of the time it's either you got it or you don't. I, I think by challenging guys, um, putting them in the best positions to succeed. Um, kind of brings that out, but you know, you just if you're a dog, you got a dog dog's mentality inside you, and and a lot of times it's just something that coaches can enhance, but can't really um, can't really give it to them to begin with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. And I, I ask that because a lot of times people, oh, the coach should just coach it. I'm like, well, it's not that easy. Like, like you don't, you know. I like what you said. Hey, you kind of have the dog in you, and and not everybody has to be a dog all the time to be a successful team, right? You got different players at different times. You know, there there's some guys who are excellent cover guys who weren't overly physical in the secondary, and they made long careers out of it. There's nothing wrong with that. And then there's other guys who would punish you. So it kind of all depends. Uh, AJ, how do you how do you feel your defense? stacks up uh, heading into this weekend. You, you've played Saskatchewan twice this year. You've beat them twice. Uh, what have you liked about your defensive performances in those two games? Well, I think what our guys do is, is they play the scheme really, really well. I think uh, from an athletic standpoint, we match up across the board. Um, I really like our, our matchups in the secondary, especially. I mean, they got some talented guys. So, we, you know, we got five guys back there that I believe can cover anybody in the nation. Um, up front, you know, our, our defensive line is, is very, very, very good. Um, we got a couple older guys on there that really know what it takes to win. Um, some young edge guys who are learning how to, how to, you know, figure it out and get after the quarterback. And then our linebacking core, which is the brains behind our defense, they, they really do a great job of just um, managing the entire game. Uh, it's a special group, and uh, I'm really excited to watch them go out and perform tomorrow. 
It's been a long time since the Bears have had a home playoff game. And so this is a big thing. But, it, you know, history, most of this group doesn't care about history. They just care about, you know, wanting to win and, and, and get a victory in the playoffs. And what do you think you learned from last week? It was a pretty big game. It was as close as you can get to a playoff game without being eliminated, right? Like, obviously, home field advantage was on the line. But uh, luckily, the loser still gets to play. What did you feel you learned from your team? Or what did the team learn about themselves last weekend? Well, I can speak from the defensive side of the ball. Our, our performance last week was pretty much twice as good as it was when we went out there and, and took a beating the first time. Um, I think we gave up 54 points the first time, cut that down to 23. Um, we had we cut their rushing yards in half, their passing yards in half. So we did a, an admirable job of of improving on what we weren't doing well the first time we met. So – um, I think we 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 get through tomorrow. We get to go out there and see him again. I think you'll see a, a much much more improved defense and offense and special teams as a whole. You mentioned your your cover guys that you have a lot of faith in uh, AJ. If you look at the the scheme in Saskatchewan. Um, obviously, a lot of the games are won and lost in, in the trenches, your D-line and your O-line on either side of the ball. If you can win those battles, usually, uh, you know, increases your chances of winning as long as you, you know, take control, you don't have too many turnovers. But when you look at Saskatchewan, like, are you expecting them to just run at you? How, how do you feel they're going to try to attack you defensively? Well, I think they're going to definitely try to establish their run game. Um I think that that's something that, especially when you get to this time of year, even though the weather should be decent, it's something that teams prepared to like increase their their running game just because weather, you know, changes you know by the minute up here, and you got to be able to establish that run game to be successful. Um, I, I think they have a young quarterback. He, he's thrown a ton of interceptions this this year. He's thrown a lot of touchdowns as well, but um, I'm not too sure that coaches are going to feel very comfortable. Uh, with, with a young quarterback putting the ball in the air, you know, 30, 40 times a game in pressure situ- situation games like this, where he has thrown a ton of interceptions throughout the season. So um, they got a couple of really good backs. I think when you have a offensive lineman as a head coach, you're probably going to want to lean on the run a little bit more when it counts. So uh, we're prepared, we're excited, and uh, we can't wait to get after it. When you have a quarterback who's prone to throwing interceptions AJ can you bait him more as a defensive coordinator like can you run certain looks uh you know kind of think he that he's going to see something that isn't there yeah absolutely um the, the thing about that is you never want to um put out so many looks that it makes your your coverage vulnerable so it's a very fine line that you got to walk in your disguise uh, compared to what you really want to run. So if you try to get too cute, you might give up a big play. Um, so we're not really going to come out and do anything um, so fancy that's going to put us at a disadvantage. I think we're going to come out, pressure him early, um, try to get him rattled, and then just let our cover guys you know, run around and make plays. How has it been for you? You've coached in the CFL. Uh, what's the difference coaching in U sports for you? Um, you know what? There's really not that much difference other than, you know, the, the mistakes that are made at this level, um, are usually only made once up in the CFL, you know, okay. here it takes a few times for guys to learn, but, you know, keeping contained is keeping contained and it happens, you know, it happens down here. It happens up there. It happens in the NFL. It happens in high school. Um, so a lot of times it's just the amount of times that you have to repeat something before, before the guys learn. Um, but we're fortunate. Our guys are pretty smart. It doesn't take them more than, than one or two times to, to understand a concept and, and understand where they need to be in order to not make those mistakes. AJ Gass joins us. Um, so, AJ, when you mentioned that, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit more, is it fair to say that as a coach you have to have more patience at this level? No, uh, 100%. 100% more patience. Um, because what you're really doing is you are really teaching these guys how to play football. Um Sometimes they come from smaller programs, maybe six or nine man football programs where some of the nuances of the 12 man game aren't in their repertoire yet, you know? So you got to be very patient with teaching them, um, understanding that there is an expectation to, to produce when you're out there, but also know that these guys don't have a ton of experience like they do up in the CFL. And you were, you know, what made you very successful as a player, obviously you were super smart, but uh, you, know, you brought a lot of emotion to the game. 
Uh, it's a playoff game. How how fired up do you get as a coach? And is it harder to control your emotions as a coach? Because as a player, you know, you could go out and smack someone around and kind of release some of that uh, that energy. How do you do it as a coach? Well, you know, you, you, for me personally, I, I like to stay really positive. So all of my energy goes into keeping the guys up, keeping them not focused on a mistake that was made, trying to continue to have them move forward. Uh, with each and every series. So my energy and my emotion really isn't the result of the play. It's just getting them to move on to the next play with as much confidence as we possibly can have them play with. So one last one for you, AJ, tweaks my interest here. So as a coach, do you do a lot of your coaching mistakes then in film room leading up and then on game day it's just about being positive because there's too much going on in a game to have a guy all of a sudden try to think about the last mistake? Is that, yeah. Oh, hundred okay. percent. Yeah, we you know we we make our corrections in the film room. Um, my my biggest thing is when during a game, you know, the the defensive players they're they're already facing an opponent. They got twelve guys that they got to worry about on the field. If they have to come to the sideline and worry about a thirteenth opponent being an upset coach or a a coach that's uh, freaking out because of a mistake, that doesn't do anybody any good. So. Um, you know, I'm really big on moving on to the next play, turning the page. Uh, we'll fix things in meetings, uh, but let's just worry about getting uh, getting better on each and every play during the game, and not so much you know dropping the hammer at every single mistake. AJ, uh, enjoy tomorrow afternoon. It should be a heck of a game. Uh, it should be a great crowd uh, tomorrow. Uh, look forward to it. Best of luck. Awesome, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You bet. That is uh, AJ Gas. Uh, like what he said, hey, man, the the guy either kind of has a dog in him or they don't, right? And now you can try to enhance it and bring it out. But, you know, the, the reason I asked that to a coach, because a few texters had asked, hey, what do you think the coach can do about getting that commitment and willingness? Well, it's got to come from within, man. Think about being a parent, right? Like you can encourage your son or daughter to to study, right? But you can't write the exam for them. You can't like you can, you know, maybe they get a little nervous on writing test day. So you try to help out. You do all these things. But at the end of the day, it's up to them. And coaches can do stuff. Once the game starts, no coach in his right mind is ever coaching the players to leave a guy wide open in front. They're never. Hey, just stand beside him. Don't put a stick on him. They're never coaching that. The coaches say, hey, this is what we'd like you to do in this situation. Right now, good coaches can maybe find different ways to tap into different players, sure, to a point. Or they recognize what their skill set of their team is and they devise a system that works to that team and then makes them successful. But at the same time, you can't just say, well, we're going to play river hockey because that's what we have as, as a team. No. Heck, the Oilers are the highest scoring team ever in the NHL. And come playoff time, they played better defensive hockey. You don't have to look any further than that. Like, there's so many, ta- oh, the orders need bottom six. They need, th- no. They need to stop gifting easy goals, making glaring defensive errors. The only reason you want more goals from your bot- top si- bottom six is so you can outscore the mistakes. How about eliminate the mistakes? And of course you want to get some production from your bottom six, but start with the bigger problem. Because bottom six scoring wasn't the issue last year for Edmonton. You know what was? Goals against. You know what's the issue again this year? Goals against. From way too many easy goals against. Let's get to uh, the con man. Sports 1440 update brought to you by BIE Engineering. Specializing in all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com.